Well, um, and differentiation understands your boundaries. It understands yeah. your, where you end and someone else needs to begin or mm. I can only go so far or that's not my job or, you know, like free will for humanity is, is God's way of having really good boundaries of creation. Or a really shitty sense of humor. Or. <laughs> this is why I'm convinced after day seven, God punched out, said, all right, it's up to you guys. I'm out. Welcome to episode 85 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. We are brought to you by Wink Wine Club, S-W-I-N-C. Where's my visual, guys? Where's my visual, Wink? Oh, my goodness. Dropping the ball. Wink features superbly crafted wine delivered right to your door, if your state allows it. Get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off first order and other savings. Even better, how about three bottles on us? You can call and leave a voicemail, 980-PT-LIVE-0. Oh, I didn't check voicemails. I'll do that right now. Or 980-785-4830. It's been a day. Or an email, info at pubtheology.com. You can send us questions to discuss, uh, comments from our previous shows, whatever. You can complain about my audio stream. I mean, whatever. Which <laughs> makes your fancy. And, uh, Which is fine. If you hear uh, some hiccups that we can improve. Same. It's totally fine. Any, any correspondence through those media, <laughs> the voicemail actually out. includes you to be in the drawing. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. We're not. We're not. We're not going to judge the content. We're just going to accept it <laughs> because uh, we're all winners. We are. We are all winners. So mm. there you go. We pull a winner every month, and there's an episode for you. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Well, you want to join us? You know that you do for the live recording of our 100th episode. Join us at the Wild Goose Festival, July 12th through 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. The Wild Goose is a gathering of progressive spiritual thought leaders, artists and activists centered on spirit, justice, music, and art. Get your tickets at wildgoosefestival.org. Do it. Do, do it. it. Do it, do it. All right, you can also... You can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. I'm already seeing some engagement around our uh, questions today, so excellent. And today we discuss whether we are helpers or helpies, if that's the thing. Whether we like to step in and save someone or sit back and be saved. Plus, is it more important to do the right thing or believe the right thing? Hmm. 
So Brian got tired of us picking on his issues and he's going after all of mine today. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, uh, a beverage might be needed then. Uh, mm. what, what, what do you have for us, Shannon? So I, again, local for Lent. Um, I am on Oliver Brewing Company on their 25th anniversary multi-pack. So um, if you're if you're watching, I love the graphic on the. Um, oh, whoa! So this is the eye of the beholder is a red red wheat ale by the Oliver Brewing Company. So nice. um, these are beers that they've had throughout their history that they're kind of bringing back for their anniversary year. Can you, can you hold that up again? Uh, yeah. Let me, let me let me see what that looks like. It. It it almost looks like Thor, like a Norse god. It does. Or um, who's Thor's dad? O- Odin. 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 Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's very. Father. So a lot of a lot of the Oliver Brewing Company beers are um, religious, kind of themed and based, gotcha. and, and and not just religion of Christianity, but like folklore and you know. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's interesting. They're, They're a good company. They're equal opportunity heathens. I got it. If you want to stop by Baltimore on your way to or from the uh, the Wild Goose Festival, I have some good restaurant suggestions that serve Oliver Brewing Company. I love you, but nobody stops in Baltimore. Whatever. Baltimore's a great through. city. Always about passing through Baltimore. <laughs> they, it's a great city. They, and they've got a great college, uh, I hear. Uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore colleges. County. <laughs> UMB. Are they still in it? Are they still in this? No, game? they lost the second, the second round. They lost. I'm not even following. I'm still doing my my uh, boycott of, of college sports until they pay those athletes. But that's a whole other show. That is a whole other show. That is a whole other show. Which uh, I would love to get into. But we should do that. Yeah. Let's do that next week. How are we not doing a how are we not doing a Yeah, uh, when well, let's do March Madness. Oh well, next week's Holy Week. Maybe the week after, maybe the week after the tournament. We gotta do a March Madness. I think Holy Week's perfect for March Madness. It was <laughs> That was a that was a crazy week, man. That was a, yeah, man, exactly. There's a lot going on. Uh, so, Ogan, what are you drinking? There was. Um, I'm drinking um, a fine 2018 vintage of Kadim non-alcoholic wine, aka grape juice. I put it in a wine glass <laughs> to make myself feel special. Um, very special. I am. Uh, um, as soon as we're done, I am hopping in the car and I gotta go somewhere. So I figured I might not drink. Right might as well I drive. Absolutely. Um, nice. Always safety first. Safe. Yes. Well, uh, I am once again drinking a LaCroix uh, this week on my beer fast, which thankfully is coming to an end, I think, in two oh weeks. So it's been forever, like the longest Lent ever. Um, actually, it's the same as always. <laughs> but this is a... See, time doesn't like savings times. Longer Lent. Exactly. So this is a Cran Raspberry LaCroix. And I'm happy to say that though the UMBC is not in the tournament, the University of Michigan is still alive oh. thanks to a historic, well, at least in my mind, last second shot to stay alive. I would have no way of knowing that if you hadn't just told me. You just made me spit my beverage all over my keyboard. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> anyway. All right. Oh, all right. So, um, what, well, what was your very well, first job? Um, I need to qualify here. Um, do you mean paying job? Did, did we have to be paid? or You can give us a couple answers. One paid, one unpaid. I don't know. Well, my, my parents, uh, my family, Barbados, entrepreneurs. My grandmother had a bakery, still has. Nice. Uh, bakery still exists. 
she doesn't she passed away um and my parents um had like this you know mom and pop grocery store and i was many uh, uh as uh, the de facto errand boy sometimes especially when i got my license and could drive they were like go pick this thing up for the store go pick this thing up so i was i was ver- pretty much an unpaid intern um in my family's businesses the first paying job i got if memory serves me correctly was in college i um was like a student what do you call it student worker for the chaplain's office i went to on Shenandoah University's and Methodist affiliated college. I am neither Methodist nor affiliated, um, but we <laughs> were there and I needed some pocket money. And um, so that was what I did. And it mostly involved um, advertising, look, uh, the campus advertising for various events. So this nice. was before social media. This was two, uh, 2000. What am I talking about? This was 1994. <laughs> And, you know, so it was like printing a lot of flyers, putting them up, making table tents, running around the place. Yeah, that, that job didn't make a lot, but it, it, it gave me a little first real nice insights as to, you know, the marketing operations of a, of a church. So that was, you said, uh, 94 and that was your first paying job? Yeah, it was 95. Um, I think I started that in 95. Were you like 20 years old? You didn't get a paying job till you were 20? Want. Because I was, did you not hear the part about the the non-paying bakery? <laughs> my family's businesses up to that point. You know, I heard I heard all that, but yeah. you got to pay. Don't you have bills to pay before you're 21? No, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm no, you, I'm, I'm teasing. They paid my my family paid me with room and board. Right, exactly, That's exactly. The place That's how that worked. Did you work yeah. today, Ogan? We'll feed you dinner. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Here, go run this. Then come back. And I'll give you some bread. That's right. Exactly. It's kind of exactly what it was. Like you were there. (laughs) Nice. So I, uh, I mean, I was a babysitter, right? Like that was probably my first, you know, jobs or whatever. Um, I worked in offices in high school. Like I did filing for like medical offices, um, which my uncle got me that job and uh, it was very unglamorous and I hated it. That was actually, it was really helpful. I still say like that was one of the best things for me. And I did that summers and after school for years to really figure out like, wow, I really don't want to work in a a desk job. Right. I don't want to, this isn't my calling or whatever. Um, And I want to be out in the world. My favorite job though, have to say no excuse me not my favorite job but like my favorite job title that i've ever had was i was a kid wrangler for the kentucky opera oh, college <laughs> and like my job was like the kids in the opera like to make sure that they stayed quiet in the dressing room and got to the stage on time and got to their positions and got to where they were going so were you were you allowed to use any of the following lassos, whips, or cap prods? <laughs> I was I know. not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. But it was. It's still my favorite job title that I've ever had. I was. I was a kid wrangler. <laughs> I love it. You have to wear chaps. <laughs> I did not. I did it's not. Not sounding like so much fun anymore. <laughs> I do have a pair though. My I have a pair of my father's chaps because they raised horses. Okay. I, so technically, I could have. Technically, you could have. All right. 
And I also have my grandfather's um, spurs that go on the back of your boot. I have those. Uh huh. Sorry. Okay. Other random tangent. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right. I do not wear them alone nor together. <laughs> I. You know what? I. The thought entered my mind, but I'm not saying anything. I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see. Uh, I worked for the local county park system, and they had a uh, a dog that needed to be kept an eye on. He did a lot of their marketing. Like, okay, never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> in no. Oregon? In Oregon, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that brief stint I had in, in Oregon growing up. Um, no, my first, my first job was uh, bagging groceries. Uh, we moved to Florida when I was in high school. I was 14, which was the um, earliest age you could get a job, uh, paying job uh, in Florida at the time. Um, so bagging groceries, I couldn't even drive. I had to get dropped off at the Winn-Dixie. Nice. And, Love you know, me some Winn-Dixie. Those groceries would just come at you. And, and, you know, this is all paper bags, of course, before the plastic grocery bags. This was probably... 1990, 89, 90. And, uh, you know, it wasn't very glamorous, uh, at all. <laughs> and hey, at, least, at least you got paid for it. I was doing that. <laughs> my parents didn't get paid for it. So, you know, there you go. It's funny. Oh, when you got paid in love. Okay. Yeah, whatever. I got, <laughs> I got paid in family trauma as well. Um, so it was a wash. My 17 year old is actually out interviewing for a job right now. Oh, nice. timely. Timely. Yeah. So back in, can you tell us about it? What is her, what is her potential first job? Oh, uh, this is not her first. This oh, will okay. be, this will be about her third. Gotcha. Um, kid can't hold the job down. I'm not worried. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there were other circumstances, but uh, it's at a dance store. This is the store where she oh, uses all her dance supplies. I said that will be a perfect place to use that Absolutely. employee discount. Yep. Um, and part of why she has to have this job is that I said you were driving a car and if you want to keep driving this car, you gotta, you gotta pay for it. You gotta help yep. me pay for it. So right. that's the plan. Nice. Nice. So while my first job was paid, I, if I recall right, uh, minimum wage was maybe $3 or $3 yeah. and a quarter. Does that sound right for back then? Yeah. It's pretty, mine was like pretty somewhere low. around four. So this was what? 96, 97. Mine would have been four twenty-five, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. It was under five dollars. I remember. It was the fight for five back then, not the yes. fight for fifteen. Not the fight for fifteen. <laughs> right. I know. I keep thinking about that, and I'm and and I'm I'm all for the fight for fifteen. I'm not against that at all. It's just inflation. Like that's how ridiculous yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a couple of responses on Facebook to this. Um, Carol says her first job was teaching baton twirling and fancy strutting. Nice. There you go. I love it. There you, know you go. I could get paid for that. I'm in the wrong field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> we need fancy strutters. Str fancy strutters. I, I think we need more fancy strutters in the world, to be honest. Anyway, and, uh, and Ian says he delivered newspapers early in the morning by foot in his hometown in Scotland. So getting the morning news out. Uh, Tina, uh, former co-host of the show, says she worked at uh, a deli in the deli at a mom and pop grocery store. And uh, thanks for commenting, Tina. <laughs> and Pam says she her first job was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. 
That's so exciting. That's awesome. Usually you need like a long career before you end up in the Hall of Fame, but right. she just started right out in the Hall of Fame. So trying to work her way up into it. Like, how does that work? <laughs> so uh, question, do you like to be saved or do the saving? And you can interpret that as broadly or narrowly as you like. Or another way to phrase that is, do you like to be helped or offer help? And maybe if you want to tie that into what you do for a living or how it fits in your everyday life, you may do so. So can I argue with the premise? Yes. (laughs) Only that, um, do you like to be saved or do the saving? And do you like to be helped or offer help as another way of, I think they're two separate things. Good. Thank you. Clarify. As a helper, (laughs) as a strong helper, I'm going to say that's two different things. Only because I've, I've, I've really been able to differentiate in my life where my desire to help someone else or let someone help me is very different than saving them. Good. Or, or being saved. So anyway, I just want to throw that out. And you missed the all-important third option. Do you like to receive the credit for helping without actually having done? <laughs> oh, 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 there it is. Oh, Gotta right. Remember. I forgot Ogan doesn't like to do work. <laughs> Got to remember that one. That's, 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 an, that's an important one. But I say, I say that in jest. Uh, uh, but then when I started thinking about it, I was like, um, um, you know, this, this actually happens to people yeah. who are in leadership positions you know if you are a ceo or you have staff you know that the, you being the face of the organization often gets the credit when you know there's still other people doing the quote-unquote grunt work mm-hmm. um and a, and a good leader always makes sure to defer that you know um, a, a gratitude and congratulations and and highlight the people around him or her who actually kind of did the grunt work i mean you know there's all levels of participation in the helping and the saving but but yeah there's there's that third option let's not let's not forget that lest we forget lest we forget i think i think my i've evolved over time in terms of um being being one who wanted to do the helping or the saving to one who was like, okay, I'm like really exhausted, like in life. I'm just gonna sit back for a while and enjoy that, and then swing back again to the, how can I help? And I think I think for me right now, it's being a, I'm a lot more discerning mm-hmm. about uh, who I'm helping and why am I helping, and is it really mine to do the helping? Am I helping simply because, you know, I I wanna get credit for helping am i helping because i am in a position to help and can or should am i doing it out of obligation am i doing it out of true desire to assist like the like i mean uh some of those reasons are are indeed noble you know um, part of your question is about doing the right thing am i helping and doing the right thing because Mm. i should or because I want to, and if I do it out of obligation, is it as noble as if I do it because I truly want to? Do we have to help every single time we see a need for help? Is it ours to do? So many, so many questions from your question. So that to me is actually one of the big distinctions between helping and saving. So I have to remind myself of this, but I remind other people of this too. Like I can't save you. And, and, Honestly, there have been times where I'm like, I can't even save myself. 
Yeah, but I can right. help you save you. Uh, right. Like, so what I so what I say is like I can't save you. You may not even be able to save yourself. Only God can do that. Right. Saving is a is a God, um, faith journey, walk, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just not a that's not an exclusive Christian Jesus on the cross statement, right? Like this is salvation or saving even of out of this situation or self is work and time helping the, the, the issue with helping though. Uh, so in one way you could say that if I desire to save you or to swoop in and save, then I'm, I'm really working out of helping in a really unhealthy manner because I've just given <laughs> myself a lot of power here or whatever um and then usually that's a reciprocal thing but like the true desire to help is is a genuine human desire that is a good one um and it's not that we don't deserve when we help or whatever to get things back but like if you're motivating, if you're helping to receive back or to get praise, I think that's where you get like those dynamics get really unhealthy in my mm -hmm. opinion. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's as, as in my personality named the helper, that is the key to it all. Right. Knowing and understanding why you help, but also understanding your motivation behind it is key. Right. You yes. Know? Yes. And could you talk about when, helping becomes unhealthy or like dependency related stuff. How does that sort of fit in with this idea? So for, for me, um, let's use the, the church as an example. Let's use my work as an example because home gets <laughs> messy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Understood. So I figured um, out how to do this well at work. Home, we're still working on it. So. Actually, I, I think I, I do it really well at home and work gets really messy for me. Um, so for me, I'm, I mean, I'm a pastor. There are certain things that are part of all of our jobs, right? But let's go back to that example of, of leadership, um, leadership giving the face of the church, which would be the pastor in this instance. So the pastor is the one who receives credit or gives credit, right? So part of my job as a good leader is to give credit where credit is due. This person did this, this person did that. Um, and, and even though they were quote unquote helped by me the entire time, because I'm the expert that it's my job to help them. It's my job to empower them. It's my job to do all these things. And so would it have been done as well or in the end or whatever, when I stand there and give them that praise to the entire congregation, if I'm sitting there going, now you owe me, that's a problem, right? That I actually helped you with this. And now if you don't turn around and say, and, and, and you're indebted to me in some way, like mm -hmm. um, that, that's actually where the dysfunction really, really begins. Um, now all relationships are mutual and need to be mutual. So the other side of all of this is a helper that just gives and gives and gives and gives and doesn't feel that they're getting anything in return. In my personality, what you learn to do in health is the giving is the receiving, right? So my making you feel good actually does make me feel good. Um, but I don't, 
I, what I've had to learn to do is that that's not necessarily going to be verbalized and that's not necessarily going to be stood in front of a whole congregation and told and that that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. Um, a little recognition is nice. Anybody needs that. And even more than that, let's go even broader than that is like when we talk about what's the motivation for helping, right? So let's take a different example. I had a parishioner who was an addict and um, people in the church kept trying to, to help her. She kept relapsing and, and, and one of the things basically, right. And without saying it out loud, what they were saying is why can't we save her or why can't she save herself? And, and we sat down and we had this long conversation about, are we giving her all the tools that she needs? Are we creating, you know, like, what are we doing as a, her community to help her? But ultimately, you know, it's when I try to become, this is a rand, not me personally, but when one person tries to become her watchdog, her therapist, her drug addict counselor, like she has all these people in her life. And ultimately it's up to that person to not only just make the decision because addiction is hard and it isn't just about making a decision, but, and on some aspects, there is this, you have to make your own choice. You have to choose this path and all of this stuff. But if I sit there and take the blame for whether or not she, she goes straight or not, that that's not helping. I mean, that's living into a really unhealthy model of salvation of, well, why couldn't I save her? And then all of a sudden I'm yeah. stuck in guilt forever, right? Right, right. Can you differentiate your role versus the outcome? Yeah. And so do so helping is, does she need to be in rehab? How can we get her in rehab? Does she have the tools that she needs? Does she need rides to those places? Um, does you know, is does she need occupation? When is the hardest part of the day for her? It's probably at night. Can we um come over? Can we check in on her? Can we send her a text message? Tell her that she's not alone and she's loved. Like that's helping. Doing the other thing is not. (laughs) It's very tricky in churches, especially when we forget our role as spiritual community. Right. Uh, And, and, you know, we're, we're having the situation, our church right now, where there are a number of people who've, who've, you know, been ill and had medical bills and yes. um, they, they want us to, you know, set up like some fundraising ventures for them to help pay their bills because we, we, we opened Pandora's box by doing this for one of our, our, our musicians or singers who was, who uh, was fighting cancer and, and, and one concert that, that we did, which she was supposed to sing at, you know, we decided to donate a part of the proceeds towards um, not giving her directly, but um, she, she, uh, some online medical fundraising site that she was affiliated with. And um, so everybody's, the request started pouring in and, and we, the board had to sit down and make that kind of decision to say, we, we are here. Our purpose here is to provide spiritual support above all else mm-hmm. um, and equip people spiritually towards however they want to see their own healing. We are not in the fundraising business. Right. We, we you know, we, we barely raise the funds to keep the doors open. Um, right. We are not, so, but the flip side is 
as spiritual community, part of that, as Shannon was saying, is how do we support each other's individuals? How do we lift each other up in practical, uh, everyday, everyday ways? You know, so so what we settled on for right now is, you know, when folks are sick and when they do go ahead and set up their, you know, various means of fundraising to help them out with their bills, we'll let our con- we'll let each other know. Yes, we will spread right. the word. Right. We, it's That's very helpful. But right. But don't look <laughs> to us to be the ones who set up the stuff for you, because then who do we do it for? Who do we not do it for? Yeah, Where do right. we yeah. Those lines and parameters. And, and it's it's a it's a tough place to be, really, when and this might this might lead into your next question, when we have the ultimate uh, example of helping with that good samaritan story that jesus was all flipping about throwing out there you know where it becomes this ideal of it doesn't matter the situation you you, you help you assist mm. and you do it in a almost a very direct tangible way so with that example now how do how do we follow how do we follow that how, how do we scale that up because it, it's a difference between you know one person to one person as opposed to a community and, you know, and then we live in a time where, you know, you're going to have people who come in to try game the system. Oh, I heard if you go to this church and you're sick, they're going to help you out and get you some money. So, you know, there are people in this world who will take advantage of that. I mean, I've seen that firsthand. So it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a clear-cut thing. But I think it can be clear-cut if you, are ab- if you hold on to the clarity of what is your purpose? What's your mission? Why are you here? Does this fit within that? Then we're not doing it. And there is there is such a thing as overly helpful, right? So th- there's where I will, we get. I will, ne- I will never be accused of that. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so there's the annoying side of overly helpful, which is like, um, yeah. can I? Can so can I do this for you? Is it right? Am I doing a good job? Like, can I, and again, that's the unhealth of this. Like, can, can I do it better? Please teach me how to do it better. Like, so um, I go to the liquor store, right? Let's just, let's take a prime example of what really Ooh. happens in my house. Yes. This, this is <laughs> hey, going to be good. Let's timestamp this for, for Derek later. <laughs> hey baby, it's snowing. Can you run by the liquor store on your way home? Because I think we're going to be stuck inside with children for the next two days. Sure. No problem. What do you want? Beer. What kind of beer? You know what I like. Okay, but what, like, do you want this kind or do you want this kind or do you want this kind or do you want this? And he's like, oh my God, just buy me beer, right? So you know what I like, make decisions for me, whatever. Like, and that can also be a people pleasing thing, but this is the, but I want to be the most helpful that I could possibly be. Yeah. Um, That, that is a example that happens regularly. See, Brian, Brian, this is what therapy looks like. You bring up specific <laughs> examples Ooh. to deal with the issue at hand. This could get dark. That's why I avoid that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where true un, um, overly helpful gets is to enabling, right? Right. Yeah. So I will just do everything for you to be overly helpful to you. And so somebody struggles with organization, I can help you with that, but then you end up doing it, right? right? right. Um, my children have a, have a, a 
test and they're studying for it, but they also have chores that they need to do. Oh, I'll be helpful and I'll do it for you. And, and not, and over time, what that looks like is them not learning how to balance a schedule and time and, and chores and, and making, you know, priority making decisions and wait, your your children do chores. They really do, Brian. Wow, I'm doing this so wrong. <laughs> um, we have charts. We have a schedule and charts. You and guys, you gotta, you gotta teach us. How, can you help us? I, I can, I can make, tell make you what a, we do. Okay. <laughs> make a list of all the things you don't want to do and, and it up give it to the them. <laughs> and then you have an auction. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Perfect. And, I like and, it. And how it works? How it works is you find out what they value and you leverage that. That's how you get them to do the chores when they don't want to do the chores. You've got to leverage. It's all about power, dude. And we're the parents. We've got the power. That is, it is helpful. And see, I wonder if, you know, I don't think we've done a great job of chores with our kids. And I think maybe partly it's because I don't like to ask for help. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like to do things. And, you know, if something needs to get done, then I'll just, do it and I don't want to ask for help and I don't want to go through the arguing of they don't want to help, but I want them to do something. But you see, this is not about you getting help. This is to Shannon's point. This is about teaching your kids. This is about teaching your kids how to, how to life skills. Yeah. But you're, you're going on that. So no, and not to, okay. We make fun of Brian for not going to therapy, but here we go. Um, (laughs) Oh boy. What you just described is an unhealthy way of, I don't want to ask for help. Right. So I, I mean, as a people who like to help are, are the worst. It's like, you know, nurses make the worst patients, right? Yeah. People who like right. to help are the worst at receiving help. Ministers make the worst congregants. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Like we don't Guilty. let anybody minister to us. We don't let anybody take care of us. Um, because like, I should be able to do this. There's some right. voice in there. Yes. And so when it comes to children, yes, they're, they're re- that real, I can just do it because it's easier for me to do it than arguing with you or teaching you how to do it or you doing it wrong or blah, 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 blah. Right. Yes. It's easier to just do it myself, but that's not empowering. Mm. And ultimately that's where you have to weigh helpfulness, Right. What's more helpful is teaching my children to be empowered and independent, but also know that they can come to me and ask me any questions that they have, or is it just more helpful to do it myself? They never see behind the curtain. They don't really see what it looks like to run a household, how much work it takes, how much communication is going on between adults and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, this really gets interesting when you talk about finances in a family, right? Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you never discuss finances with your children, I mean, it's one thing to talk about chores. Let's talk about finances. Yeah. Well, mommy, how much do you make? Well, where does that money go? Well, why does the house cost so much? None of your damn business. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's how much they make. Boom. Or, right. Or is it joy? You need to get a job because the car costs this much money and you need to help pay for that. Yeah. Or both. None of your damn business. <laughs> Get a damn job. Uh, but but in well, all in all seriousness, um, uh, I remember last summer when Joy went to uh, this six six week residential like dance internship in New York. Uh, she's with Alvin Ailey Humblebrag. 
but she was there and she came back and she said, um, for the first time, I appreciate how you guys made me do my laundry and yes. learn to cook and stuff. Cause she had, she had sweet mates who had never, these are 16 year old kids, never done a load of laundry, never cooked anything for themselves. And this is the first time they're on their own, not knowing what to do. Like they were actually, a couple of them were teaching this one girl, like how to prepare eggs <laughs> and how to sort laundry <laughs> before washing them. Like, you know, so these are, so in, in, in inadvertently again, in, and, and get your kids to do this stuff now at home when you can help supervise, then they're ready. Uh, I, I will guiltily say I never did a load of laundry before I went to college. I, I did yep. not. Um, and it was th- those first few loads were scary. Uh, and I, <laughs> all kind of weird colors came out that didn't go in, you know? So, uh, but but well, I learned and the I, hard way. I'd have been I'd have been really grateful if I'd had more yes. of those life yeah. skills um, uh, yeah. before that. And and that doesn't mean the other side of this too is that doesn't mean we don't let our kids be kids, right? Knowing how to do it and um, balancing how many chores they do, varying their chores, you know, like all yeah. of I mean, that's part of the parent job, right? And for sure, you know. I, I think this is a really um, interesting, I mean, helping and saving looks like so many different things and it can be, it, I, I think what's important about this is it can be as nuanced as um, kids chores. What we're not talking about is the religious implications of saving and sure. the, the uh, I'm just going to use the word abuse that has taken place over um the it is my job to save your soul and um i'm trying to help you save like let's talk like talking about that for a second i mean forget the beer one that's toxic (laughs) you know right like my my uncle likes to joke every time he sees me which is like once every couple years and he's like how's the soul saving business right and everything about that (laughs) sentence makes me want to die inside makes you want to gag it does like (laughs) first off let's start with soul saving right and then business like (laughs) (laughs) like i'd have been like i'd have been like quarters are low this month can i count on you (laughs) exactly yeah we saved seven but three we were just unable to right and and like i just every i'm like you understand i do none of that right like i mean again i i think this could does go back to um, I want to help you. I want to walk alongside you in any journey that you may have in life, but I cannot save you. And, and bringing you even, let's go that, let's go there because I'm a Christian minister and I do believe this, like bringing you to the good news of Christ is not about me saving you. And it is not even to me about if that happens God saving you in that moment, like your relationship with God begins in the beginning. I mean, as we say in baptism, God named and claimed you even before this moment, right? So even though I am a minister of a, of a denomination that does believe in the salvation of Jesus Christ, that is a very different conversation that, than the one I am having. Does that make sense? Yeah, I Everybody's think so. I think so. I have... <laughs> I think I, yes, but also I think I have a broader maybe 
view of the word salvation or, you know, I, it's just what, and that's maybe part of the question, right? What, what is salvation and what does salvation really mean? And there's sort of the traditional understandings of that word in a, in a sort of theological framework of, of say, which in which the soul is often a central part, right? That, that I'm being saved for eternal, um, well-being versus eternal damnation that that's that's a part of the saving and and I think you would agree that that's too narrow it should be much broader right. than that but this how broad isn't about maybe? heaven and hell though right this for me this isn't about what, something that happens after death this yeah. isn't about right this well, is about a relationship for you it's not but for a lot of people it is exactly and that's where I'm saying that that everything about the um, my job is to help you get saved right like everything about that is right. is very difficult and and it's something that i actually like have to work against i mean most yeah. a lot of what i do is um help people in their journeys of healing from right toxic theology right, right. um but I don't think that I don't think that it would be fair of us to ask this question and talk about it in only that way without mentioning that aspect. Of it. No, for sure. And I and so I guess what I'm wrestling with is is do you feel that there's a big S salvation or saving and little S's? Because I feel like there's instances weekly where I need to be saved from certain things, but maybe that's a different use of the word. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because from the unity perspective, unity theology, we, we don't subscribe to a big S salvation moment, you know, like into the traditional mm-hmm. Christian story when you, you know, you accept Jesus into your heart, you turn your life over, you've been saved. It's not that. For us, when we look at, at the idea of saved, it's, it's any time we think, believe, show up, more of our divine self than our human self. So every time, you know, we're in a situation and rather than think from and behave from fear, we choose love, which is a divine quality. We've basically showed up as God in that situation. We've, 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 we've saved ourselves. We've saved whoever we're with at that point in time. The saving is a moment to moment occurrence based on where we choose to think from, where we choose to act from, where we choose to believe from. And there's no like, if I mess up this time, I'm doomed. No, it's you always have another opportunity to, 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 to as we like to say, uh, outpicture God more mm-hmm. um, in, in, in our dealings. So, so we can be saved multiple times a day, depending on how our day goes and what we uh, encounter. Same, same thing with that idea of repentance. Repentance is again, in, in the unity context, changing our thinking and our behavior to be more from our God self than from the human fear-based, selfish, protect ourselves uh, kind, kind of deal. When you approach it that way, Brian, to answer your question, yeah, you, 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 you can save yourself multiple times in any given day. <laughs> oh. And yeah. I, 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 gotcha. I agree with that, right? Like, I need to be saved from myself. I need to be That's, saved yeah. from the world. I need to be saved from their projection onto me, right? Like I need, I need to grow out of a place of love. I need to act out of a place of love. I need to think out of a place of love, which the place of love for me is what God is. That is God. That is spirit mm-hmm. within me. I agree with that. 
there is a big S salvation for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me personally, and actually for my denomination, that is not exclusively the way of Jesus Christ. That is for us, for me, right? The And I don't have to speak for my denomination. I'll put them aside. Sure. For me, right? I, I, I That's what speaks to me. That's what makes sense to me. Yep. Um, that is that I believe that God is so much bigger that God will find a way. We talked, we've talked about that multiple times. So if whatever that way is, that brings you to that place of love, that brings you to a genuine place of holiness of God, then, then that is God reaching out to you and bringing, bringing you in. Or as Ogan will say, like you reaching out to God and, and finding your space in God in the world. Right. And so, um, where, where you fit into this, I, I need to be saved from the voice that says consume more than what you need. I need yeah. to be saved from the voice that says I deserve, right? That, that, um, yeah, yeah. All of that. Like I, I do need to be saved from that, but the, the big S salvation has already happened and that happened before I was born and in, in my relationship with God and in my relationship with other people, that already exists. I just need to tap into that. You need to live into that. Right. So you would say that that salvation has happened, which creates the platform for the daily growth, the daily changes that you're seeking to um, live into. Absolutely. And so that's why I would agree with, sorry, I was going to say, I would agree. I, I agree with that too. The, our ultimate salvation, I would say, is that we are created in the image and likeness of God. We are inherently divine beings. Yeah. So it's already there. There's nothing we have to do to deserve that, to accept, to, uh, you know, to get that. It's already there. We, we got to live it. That's, that's the crux. And that yeah. comes out of Genesis, you know, in the creation it goes all the way through to Paul, right? There is nothing that separates us from the love of God, right? I mean, that that is all over scripture. Yeah, Paul um, has some other weird ideas too. But like, Paul, well, okay, but like, that's a good one. You know, <laughs> let's use that one. <laughs> let's so, use that one for a minute. And a little so blank for the stomach sake. Like, yeah, exactly. So there was this early church uh, controversy with this guy named Arius who believed that Jesus was not eternal, but rather a created being who was eventually sort of adopted into divinity and sonship and so on. And he was uh, deemed a heretic and sort of uh, banished from the church. Um, but he had this idea that um, believers were to emulate Christ, and he wasn't alone in that. Um, but one of his opponents, Athanasius, who uh, was a champion of orthodoxy, felt that the effort to emulate Christ was not only difficult but impossible, maybe even blasphemous, and that all that a human being can do or must do is believe and receive the salvation that God alone can offer. And I you know, this is, this is sort of very condensed and probably it was a lot more nuanced than this is said right here. And this is, this is taken from Elaine Pagel's book, Beyond Belief. But it frames it in such a way that there's the doing or being like Christ and, and the believing in Christ. And I don't think those things need to be at odds, but I think, I think often it can come out that way in the church's life and teaching. Wondering if either of you have experienced that and what you might add. Well, um, and, and history will teach us that often the heretics turn out to be right. Um, 
Galileo and you know <laughs> here, here's open for all of us on pop theology um, <laughs> cheers. cheers if the demons are screaming Jesus has to be close somewhere <laughs> there, 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 you go. there you go but but for me I, I think the the verse uh, or the scripture that kind of addresses this really is faith without faith without works is dead mm-hmm. so you can believe all you want to believe uh-huh. but I, you don't act on that belief and make that belief in your divine self, your higher power visible, then it's pointless. So, so I believe to your point, Brian, those aren't mutually exclusive. Let us, let us believe in something, but at the same time, just like, you know, Jesus demonstrated, we got to act on those works. We have to be the facilitator of miracles. We have to live compassionately and do great acts of kindness and compassion as well. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm. So I actually remember studying this in seminary, if you can believe it. Um, nice. I remember this argument being dis- we had a we had a church or a, we had a class called Chats, um, Church History and Theology Studies, and it was nice. half. That's both simultaneously horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so we had lecture, and then we'd have the next day would be we. So we had seminar, and then the next day would be discussion group. Right, so it would be chats with your professor, one of many professors. Um, and I remember this argument, and and one of the re- one of the things I really because I remember being on the her- the side of the heretic, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and that um, I'm trying to understand why. Um, I have to look up his name because I can't remember their names. But um, Athen- Ath- Ath- Athanasius. 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 Um, I, I was trying to figure out in this argument of class why he was the hero in this story <laughs> because yeah. he didn't make any sense to me. But I, that's also, it was also later in that class that I learned it's because I come out of a place of progressive theology where God learns and grows and we learn and grow in the process, right? Yeah, and nice. read, read scripture with that. So that's why I was on that side of the heretic. Um, I I think that they were arguing, I mean, theirs is rooted in a historical argument that um, I won't put words in any of their mouths, but I think it's a both and. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I tend to err on the side of, of um, the biblical James, right? Faith without works is dead. Like we must work. But on the other side, um, for me, those works root out of my belief and my faith. And that if I truly, and, and, and if I believe, if I really believe in this gospel, in this, these, these teachings, then I will have no choice from my being, but to act on that, but to act out of that. Right. So if I really, truly am rooted in my faith, then, then all of my life will be a testament to that faith. And so that's why I don't think it's a both. I think it's, or I do think it's a both and like, I have to believe but it's my believing that leads me to act. It and if you like, go ahead, sorry. All I was going to say is if you don't have the belief, like one, they, they, they speak to each other. So if you don't have the belief or you don't want the belief or you don't have it yet, then fake it till you make it baby. Right. Like, so you act. would say they're mutually dependent in a way. I do. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yes. And, but we can also, we can also do like, right things, righteous things with, without 
that belief. I mean, there are people who don't really believe in anything specific who are just good people who do good things. Right. And maybe their belief is just that. It's, it's the right thing and the good thing to do. They're just inherently compassionate people. For sure. For sure. I would, I would agree with that. And I think, yeah. um, I think Shannon would too. And I, I, I think I would echo what Shannon says, that if I believe uh, that, God was present in Jesus in this extremely powerful way. And he was living a sort of model human life of how to live compassionately and humanely and justly that, that, that belief can empower me to want to live in, in kind, live in that same way. Um, And so I agree that they are uh, two parts of a whole, not it's sort of, there's not a, there's not a dilemma. It's kind of a false dilemma, I think, at least the way it's phrased in the question. It sounds like uh, Elthanasius just didn't want to work that hard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can, I can kind of relate, but... Well, and in the, in the Reformation, there really was this fear of overly focusing on works, right? The works right. righteousness right. that it was felt that the Catholic Church was, the Roman Catholic Church was embodying. And so it was no, you know, no, you know, God does everything in salvation. Don't you dare do these good works for the purpose of trying to save yourself. But I think unfortunately it turned into this sort of anti good works and just let God do everything, just have the faith, just believe and all will be well. And I think it did create this sort of um, class of lazy Christians who are like, well, God's doing it all. So my job is just to believe and and then live however I want. It can go either way, right? Like it can become a pull yourself up by your faithful bootstraps kind of, you know, extreme, right? Like I can work myself into salvation. And as we just discussed, like, that's not the way I believe salvation works. (laughs) Right. But, you know, doing, and, and I think this goes back to the help thing, right? What's your motivation behind it? Why are you doing good things? Is it, I mean, if you're doing good things in the world to get the praise, God uses, God uses these things. That's great. I believe that even if you don't believe in God, you could perform a good act, but, but the personal struggle of that um, may or may not lead to good things. Right. Yeah. And this whole thing about uh, God doing the work. um, I mean, the, the work is being done through us as us. We, we are, we are the hands feet of the divine. We, we are, we are God made visible. We are the work. And when we look at scripture, you know, you go to Genesis, created the, you know, created everything in six days, rested on the seventh. Nowhere in the Bible does it say he got back to work. <laughs> so I, who Just knows put, what happened after day seven, right? We even God retired, Ogan. He retired. He's like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> no, because then he had the whole Adam and Eve thing, right? So then he had yeah, there was there was stuff to do. It's like, or oh man, was I was like, just relaxing, and now right. look what right. I have to deal with. But I think maybe that's a difference between the the unity view and a more um, classical um, Christian view is is that God in and you can quote me if I'm or correct me if I'm wrong that in unity God sort of offloads everything onto us that we are the um, expression of God in any given moment. There is no God out working outside of us. Whereas I think in more classical Christian tradition, there is a differentiation between creature and creator. And God has done certain things that enable us to tap into goodness and divinity and all of that. But it's grounded in something outside of us. 
I would agree with you and your use of the word offloads. We're going to have a conversation later. Offloads it on us. Really? Okay. <laughs> give me a better word. Defers? God, God is actualized through us. Okay. Okay. We, you know, when people say, why did God let this happen? Why did you let this happen? Right. That no different than that that age old story of the guy on his roof with the flood and sure. he's like God's gonna save me and he lets the boat and yeah. the helicopter go by and, he, yeah. and later, God why didn't you save me I sent the boat and the helicopter you know there were people piloting those vehicles we we are we yeah. are divine in action yeah yes absolutely but there's there's also things we cannot will into existence or will out of existence like what <laughs> matter. I, I mean, where do you begin? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I actually think that's a really big discussion that we should have sometime. But yeah, like, yeah, I, for, for sure. the last five minutes, I'm not sure that that's a. I think that I think that that is a fundamental difference in our understanding of God, which is yeah. fascinating, interesting, and fascinating. And and honestly, Ogan, I don't think you're wrong. Like, right. And I, I also I don't. don't you're wrong either. It's, I don't know that I disagree with you. I just have viewed God different. I've I've found a, a view of God differently than your view of God that works for me. We are I, we are all like the is it the Tao? I forget. I think the Tao speaks to it being like the spokes of the wheel. Right. <laughs> you know, we all we all get to the center, and ultimately in the wheel, right. there's just like this big ball of like nothingness. And I don't I mean, mean nothing. as an absence. I mean as an undefinable. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, mm-hmm. we're each we're each the blind mice touching different parts of the elephant. Um, you, you know, all 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 these perspectives and viewing God. And I always like to say to people, we're all right and we're all wrong. Right, and we have no. I mean, I think that's when I talk about the grandness of God, God being bigger. I mean, I I truly believe that no matter how I could I could spend the rest of my life trying to describe or define or or give imagery to, or mm-hmm. metaphor to God, and I would never be able to encompass all. Right. And so yeah. I, agree. I do think it's important though for each individual person to find what works for them, like their spoke, right? Yes. What works for them, how, how God speaks to them. And I think that's you know why we get to disagree so lovingly, you know, that kind of thing yeah. um, is, is is because I can understand that God is God is way bigger than me. <laughs> all, all, all that is God, 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 God is, is all, all that is. That is. And as again, Paul Tillich, the ground of all being. By the way, I was walking through Lowe's trying to explain that to my daughter one day. Ooh, as you do, is, she's asking me these questions because we were we started out with you know my son using um, masculine pronouns for God and me saying like you can use he but please understand that god isn't a man and how old is she again so maggie's 10 um Uh, and she's like right god is all that is and i said right and god is that is all that everything came from so not just not just the creation but the creator and she's like Right. Let's try, so, let's try to explain eminence and transcendence to 10-year-olds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And we're actually in the garden section. So I'm like, God is the dirt and the seed and the root and the plant and the, you know, and whatever. And she's like. And the miracle grow. Right. <laughs> well, 
Not <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. So yeah, I think the whole the whole miracle uh, grow is the sin that makes us grow really big and wild. <laughs> anyway, the, go ahead. <laughs> the whole, well, the whole nature of God is is an entire episode, and that would be fun to do soon. Or twelve. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I have this quote uh, in closing here from the Bhagavad Gita, which says. Uh, a living entity can never equal the Supreme Lord. Anyone who's a constant companion of the Lord is certainly a liberated person, but he cannot be equal to the Lord. Uh, and of course, there's a whole lot there that gets into a whole other theological system uh, where there's multiple sort of avatars or incarnations of, of God or the divine. Um, that's different from Christian uh, views in some ways with some correlation, but but this differentiation between creature and creator, that, that's an interesting thing to explore. And, 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 and we got to realize that differentiation doesn't mean different. And, mm. and as in separate, a differentiation is, is almost like a, a unique characteristic. I've got this unique characteristic. You've got this unique characteristic. But that doesn't necessarily make us wholly different or separate, if that makes sense. Well, um, and differentiation understands your boundaries. It understands yeah. your, where you end and someone else needs to begin, or mm. I can only go so far, or that's not my job, or, you know, like. Oh, you're, like, you're bringing it back. You're bringing it back. Well, <laughs> good, you know, uh, free will for humanity is, is God's way of having really good boundaries <laughs> of creation. Or a really shitty sense of humor. <laughs> or, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, a lot of that, but, but, you know, like this is where this is the helping right helping right. doesn't look like doing it for you helping looks like giving you the tools that you need and sending you into the world this is why i'm convinced after day seven god punched out said all right <laughs> it's up to you guys i'm out yeah i'm out god knew where to draw the line do we i, I think disagree. that's <laughs> so much that i don't even have anything to say i think i think we're just we're just we're leaving teasers for future episodes is what we're doing right now come back to watch us duke it out i think exactly. we found the content for our live wild goose festival episode <laughs> yeah right oh we're my. gonna need a whole lot of beer if that's what yeah. we're gonna talk about exactly <laughs> which yeah. i can arrange because i go to the store and i will get you exactly what you want because i'm helping yeah, i'll just pick up anything exactly <laughs> whatever you want you know what i like Oh my god. Pick up pick up anything except IP. Well that's the thing, right? Whatever. You know what I like. Oh, I don't want that. Oh no. I don't like to drink. Oh my god. All right. So if you if you want to help us at the Wild Goose Festival, just bring some of everything and we'll there you go. We'll enjoy. Belgian style wheat beers. If you're if you're you're going to the store. Winner. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Please connect and spread the word on social media. Uh, thanks to all who've commented on the first jobs. If you want to pipe in, just check us out, facebook.com slash pubtheology, and you'll add your two cents. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Please rate us in those places. And if you want to watch us and see the fun with your own eyes, you can check us out on YouTube or the New Thought channel. If you'd like to find a pub theology group uh, that's meeting in your neighborhood, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And thank you again to our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C, who you'll find at trywink.com slash PT Live. 
So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Welcome to episode 85, episode 85 of, uh, of Theology Life for us. Uh, us we people. are. We're here. Rip dog. Rip, rip, <laughs> oh, yeah. rip, rip dog. We are what? <laughs> I tried to type recording and it came out as like rec, rec PR dog. Rec PR dog. That's a great Twitter handle. <laughs> it kind of is. But you typed it right the first time. I'm not sure why you try to correct. He said he's going to stop recording, and then he typed oh, then recording like we are. Yeah, that the second one was we're live now. We're but live. Wreck okay. PR dog, which <laughs> yes. should be some dude bro in PR's Twitter handle. Like that. That's our that, welcome world. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that's our new mascot. <laughs>